0: welcome to the access church podcast grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon we have the true and committed here at church on a three-day weekend or you just couldn't travel so you had to be here you had no other choice but we're glad we're glad you're here um all right hey um before we kind of jump in, do you mind if I move this pat over? Okay. A um, few things going on here, and then we'll jump into groups. Uh, today is the last day of our uh, of our series uh, in essential faith, and then we're going to jump into the book of Acts. I know a few of you are already starting to jump into Acts. I encourage you to start reading that book, start prepping the soil, getting it ready. Uh, we're going to be in that probably through Easter, so we're going to take a lot of time going through the book of Acts, so... Just a heads up on that. Uh, let me tell you what's going on. I might lose my voice, because last night was a wild night. So if you uh, check out Facebook Live, one of our own, Ashley Hanley, uh, did some country singing last night in Old Town Temecula. So uh, we threw it out there for you guys, and uh, uh, and so we packed it up. I think uh, they said it was the first sold-out show ever, and that's because our church was like half the people there, so... Um, we had a great time supporting her. She killed it. So you can check out uh, the Facebook uh, group and we put some live videos up there. Um, but with that, uh, here's some things going on. With us kind of moving into the book of Acts, we really want to kind of just get into the groove of church of um, being kind of that outreach mindset, but also behaviorally, not just thinking about it and talking about it, but, but doing it. So we're going to have some opportunities over the next several months. What we're going to do kind of organizationally where we're going to kind of gather people is uh, we're going to switch off uh, every other month. One month we're going to work with a local organization called Swag. Uh, Andrew, am I getting a little bit of feedback on this? Okay, you can play around with it because it's announcements. Nobody cares. So uh, but get that because that'll bother me while I preach. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, so we're going to be next, is it Thursday? Is Laura Lee in here? Laura Lee, is it Thursday? Okay, Thursday, this, so September, we're gonna um, hang out with the homeless. And it's about an hour. It's real quick. Uh, Laura Lee and I did it, though, a few months ago. It's really cool to have a great setup, very safe. But we help bring a potluck meal and just make them feel human and loved because a lot of times they don't. And uh, it's not real hard. It's a great way for our church to participate. So uh, that's limited, too. So signups are either talk to Laura Lee Write it on uh, something and, and put it on the table um, or just go online or on your app. You can sign up. So that's this Thursday. Uh, so just heads up on that. So we're going to do that in September, October. We're heading down uh, to the orphanage in Mexico and we've contacted them. Do we have a date on that? Is that on the website too? On the, or not yet? Not on yet. Okay, we'll get that up. Uh, so, but I mentioned that last week and a lot of you are like, I want to go to Mexico. Just remember, you got to have a passport. So you gotta jump on that if you wanna go. That's also limited, we can't take a huge group. So uh, we're gonna switch those off. So September, homeless, October, Mexico, November, homeless. We're gonna kind of just have that. So uh, it's gonna be a great time and uh, looking forward to that. In October, just so you know, they have two orphanages, one's with teens, one with little kids. We're gonna focus on the little kids in October and they're gonna hang out with the teenagers in December. So that just so you know, um, if you have one age group you really like, that's kind of what we'll be doing. So. Check out our website or check out our app for information on that. Also connection group signups. I believe the Wednesday night group now is, um, you'll be on a waiting list if you sign up for Wednesday night. Still sign up because we might start another group if we get enough people or if someone drops, we'll get you in. I believe there's just a few more spots on Thursday. So connection groups start in two weeks. Looking forward to that. It's gonna be an amazing time together. We got one happy person. Yeah, two happy people. Yeah, the rest are like, I don't know. Um, so looking forward to getting into homes and um, it's gonna be a great time together, especially as we go through the book of Acts, discussing that. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Um, and God, thank you so much that you are someone that pursued us. And God, I pray that we would be people that pursue others with the same type of intentionality and passion. Um God, thank you for not leaving us lost, leaving us to our own sin, leaving us to our own consequences. Uh, But God, you pursued us out of love. And I pray that that would impact our lives. And as we trust you, we would also go on that same journey with you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Uh, The thesis for today is reaching people disconnected from God. And and I I hope you notice that I'm pretty intentional with my words. I don't say Christian, non-Christian because that word has kind of been so whitewashed in our culture today, you know, uh, of even saying Christian. I like even asking people, are you a Christian or not a Christian? I don't even ask that. It's really interesting when you ask people, are you connected to God or a church? Because that's very specific, right? Are you disconnected or connected? And it's also not as volatile. I notice people it's like, they don't mind being like, oh yeah, I'm not really connected. Or yeah, you know, I'm not really connected to God. I kind of throw some prayers every once in a while. But if you say Christian, non-Christian, it's almost like, ah, oh, you know, what's you can kind of ramp things up. But so reaching, reaching people disconnected from God or church is the process. So what do you call it? Outreach missions. Reaching people disconnected from God is the process of, of God working in me in order to work through me. Outreach and missions is primarily a work of God. I'm just the vehicle for it. It's not up to my strength and my wisdom. This is huge. This is why we get nervous and fearful. <gasps> what if I say something wrong? What if I do? What if I do? Right? What if they say no? What if they say no? We got all those things. Uh uh-uh. uh. You're no longer living by faith, you're living by your own intellect and strength and worries. So if I view that as far as like, oh, I am just participating with God. It's all I'm doing because of who he is. Because he is a God that works through you or in you in order to work through you. But first he has to work in you. He's got to transform something and then he can work through you. That's why we're gonna take our time just so you know, because some of us here, six months of outreach, my gosh, how many techniques can we go through, right? It's like, we get it, reach people, I get it, right? Because we actually have to have a rewiring of our hearts and minds. For some of us, we've never really thought about outreach. Um, others of us, we have a very bad view of it. If I say the word evangelism, some of you break out in hives right now, right? We're gonna go do an evangelism thing, like, oh, like that word so huge and it's so scary. We have to rewire. That's why we're taking six months because God has to work in us as a church before he can work through us. Before we start doing all these activities and let's go reach our city and let's go reach our, our families. Sometimes we start trying to have God work through us, but he hasn't worked in us yet. And, and then that's why it doesn't really work or it doesn't sustain. We do it for a couple weeks and then we lose the passion. That's why we're doing this. That's my thesis is reaching people disconnected from God is really a God process of him working in me in order to work through me. First, we have to get the heart of God before we can move to be the hands and feet of God. Heart first, then we can be his hands and feet. What is the heart of God? Luke 19, 10, I think, exemplifies this, where Jesus says, for the son of man, he's talking about himself, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. He didn't come to start a cool church because there needed to be more cool churches. He didn't come to impress people that they would like him, like, oh, Jesus, you're really cool. Every day he woke up knowing that his years here were limited with one purpose, that the Father would work in me in order to work through me because he primarily saw as lost. And this is where the rewiring has to take place. Do you view, do you view people who are disconnected from God or church as lost? Where many times the church views people as enemies, enemies to be fought rather than lost to be found. We see that on social media. We see that in our culture wars. We're fighting the very people that God says that's who I came for. In Luke 19, don't forget that Jesus was pursuing someone named Zacchaeus, disconnected from God, a hated person, a tax collector. And that this is where we read that Jesus was known as someone who hung out with sinners, which was not a a, a good thing back then. They didn't view that as a good thing. I don't know if you've ever been lost. We have these, you know, Google maps now. So some of you have never experienced being lost. You're like, what is this word lost? Like, what does that mean? Well, back in the eighties, I used to get lost a lot. And so did my family. We had maps, we'd forget maps. Maps would be inaccurate. We got lost. I was with my grandma one time, we're looking for a zoo. This is in, I don't know if it was in like Stockton or Sacramento, but it's up in central California. But she thought she knew the way. You see, you can be lost and think you know the way. You can be lost and not know you're lost. Sometimes it takes time to figure out that you're lost. But even when you get lost, did you grow up with a a mom or dad that they didn't like asking for what? Directions. I swear, God always brings two people together. One wants direction and the other one doesn't, but somehow he brings them together. Right? You ever been in the car with someone? It's like, just pull over and ask someone. I'm not going to ask someone. I remember. You know, like, it's like, my God, just pull the car over, right? My grandma was one of those that, no, I know where the zoo is. I've been here before and it's like, grandma's it like 50 years ago you were there, right? We don't even know if the zoo still exists, but she knew where the zoo was, right? And her little grandkids weren't going to tell, you know? So we're driving around. If you've ever been in Central California, Sacramento, Stock, like that's not an area you just drive around, right? It's just like, it's hot, it's nasty. It's like, just pull over. And so we're driving around and then, and, and when you're lost, you don't, you don't know it. And then you begin to know it, but you don't want to admit it. But then you start getting frustrated. Have you ever been lost? And all of a sudden this, this anger just comes up in you, right? Uncontrolled anger, right? And so then she starts saying choice words. Um, and uh, she I could tell she's getting angry. It's getting awkward in the car because she knows she's lost, but she doesn't want to ask for directions. There's this internal struggle there. So she finally pulls over and uh, rolls down the window and there's this lady standing on the side of the road. And she says, excuse me, do you know where the zoo is? And the lady says, zoo? Zoo? She was on drugs, which if you've been in Stockton, it's a 50-50 chance that if you're gonna pull over, you're gonna find someone on drugs in Stockton. So that's, you know, But uh, so she rolled up the window and that didn't work. You see, if you're lost, it's very frustrating when you ask someone for directions and they don't know. If you live in the area, shouldn't you know? If you're going to church and you're a Christian, shouldn't you know the directions? And even worse is giving the wrong directions, right? Have have you ever done that, pulled over? Oh, yeah, make two laughs, and like that. You do it, and you're like, that person had no idea. They were just rambling. We finally uh, found a person that was not on drugs and told us where the zoo was. And, and we got to the zoo, and the mood changed. She was so relieved. The anger was gone, all those kind of things. Lost. This is how people live looking for direction. Where am I going? What's my purpose? And sometimes we get frustrated with a lost person. Can you imagine pulling over? Hey, can you, excuse me. Do you know where the zoo is? Why don't you know where the zoo is? What are you an idiot? No, I just didn't grow up around. You know what's what's wrong? Can you imagine them getting angry at you? It's like I'm just I'm just lost. Like who gets mad at a lost person? Nobody does, right? Except is that the view of the church and Christians that they're so mad at people that are lost and people that are lost? They go the wrong direction. I've done it. I've driven wrong the wrong way I'm on a one-way road before. <laughs> Oops, oh crud. Oh God, what's wrong with you? I don't know where I am. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to. What if you viewed people as lost, meaning direction? And when you meet them, maybe they're not ready to hear directions yet. Maybe they don't want to admit they're lost yet. Or maybe that they're angry, they're lost. They know they're lost, but they don't have to answer. And they don't want to ask because it's humiliating. But we just wait for them to ask. So we can say, here's the directions. But here's the thing. The reason God has to work in us is because some of us, can we even give directions? How do I find peace? How do I find joy? How do I find hope? In conflict and sadness, in depression. Jesus, how do I find him? Do you know the answer? Where it starts, how it develops. When you do, there's a confidence then, not a cockiness, but the, a confidence. But before you have that, do you view people disconnected as lost, and do you have compassion? knowing that once we were lost and found, because that was the mission of Jesus and it still is today. It changes an environment. Um, I worked in Carlsbad for a while and um, I worked at a business that uh, during that time, I've shared this story before, so I'm not gonna go into it, but Christine and I went through several miscarriages and I actually quit ministry and pretty much quit being a Christian. Uh, I was in a dark place, but I was angry and hurt and exhausted. Well, God did a miracle. Again, I preached on before. I'll preach on again, but not right now. did a miracle. I changed. He, he re-met me and looked me in the eye and changed me fundamentally as a person. And I remember that walking in the next day, this happened at night, walking in the next day, as soon as I walked in, the secretary had two secretaries, both of them said, what happened to you? They could see a physiological difference of who Brian was the day before, angry and bitter uh, towards God and not really listening and following. And the next day where I'm just like, I'm re-giving my life to you. What is wrong with me? Jesus, I'm yours, right? But what was interesting is work fundamentally changed. Where before I was just like stressed, I wanted more money. Why am I not getting a raise? Just getting in there, get tasks done. Nobody bothered me. I'm just kind of like, it's just work. I got to go into work. I got to grind. And the next day I was like, ah, I have a missions field. The stress went down. The money, God will figure out the raises. But I was there for a while and impacted nobody for God. And within a few weeks, all of a sudden, I started seeing people differently their stresses, their anger, their outbursts, rather than pegging them and their personalities and trying to box them in, I just saw them as lost. And through that, God gave me an amazing opportunity. I was only there for, I think, um, once I gave my life to Christ, I was only there for like six more months and then I got laid off. But in those six months, I was able to meet with someone for a, a, a once a week Bible study at lunch. Because as God changed me, he began to work through me. And then one of the IT guys noticed the difference in me and said, what happened, bro? And I used all your guys' different techniques, right? Being real, being vulnerable. We had this miscarriage of this, can I buy you lunch? So we can, what's one of the ways to impact people? Be generous, hey, lunch is on me, let's go, let's talk. And then ask questions, what's your journey? What's your, you know? And then all of a sudden just, hey, would you like to open up the Bible and go through Matthew together, right? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I didn't reach everybody in that office. But that wasn't my assignment. You see, everyone has different assignments. But that one guy, that was my assignment. As God worked in me, He's able to work through me. And here's the funny thing: I use no techniques, no evangelical thing, no four steps to coming to know to Christ. I did not. Because people realize that comes out as fake. Just be yourself. But what if I say the wrong thing? Yeah, then they'll know you're a human being. How about that? Right? Well, I don't know the whole Bible. I don't think anyone's gonna ask you to verbatim say the whole Bible to them, right? They don't want that. But do you know enough of the Bible? Do you have any verse to encourage them, any direction for them? Change work, the stress was different. The excitement was different. It went from a workplace to a missions field. Reaching people disconnected from God is the process of allowing God to work in me in order to work through me, why? Because if we're Christians, Christ followers, as Jesus came to seek and save the lost, now we're assigned to seek and save the lost. I wanna encourage you with this. The only way people can come to know Jesus is through the people in his church. There's no other way. And if the church does not follow through on the opportunity and the responsibility then we participate in keeping people lost and disconnected from God. That's heavy. Think about that. God works exclusively through his people. Now, does he have to do that? Does God have to do that? No. But he chooses to do it. Why? Because missions and outreach and reaching disconnected people is a partnership that he wants us to bring along so we get to experience what it's like to help someone who is lost to be found because there's nothing more energizing life. I know some of you are like, no, Brian, there's nothing like waking up, having a cup of coffee, reading a Bible verse and underlying it and taking a picture and sending it to Instagram. Like there's nothing like that, like the peace, right? No. No. There's nothing like a, you know, a worship time, you know, where we're there and we're getting the chills, right? And we're singing and, and, and Pat starts hitting these amazing notes, right? And I get the chills and I start crying. God bless you, Pat, but no, I got something better. Sing <laughs> someone that if their life ended, they would cease to exist. Who's been living their whole life trying to figure it out on their own, carrying the weight of finances and relationship. And meeting Jesus, finding freedom, finding joy, finding eternal life, that's why we read the Bible. That's why we have Pat lead us in worship. That's why we come to church. Work in me is not the end result. It's the process so he can work through me for the end result that those who are lost would be found. Now we're gonna open up the Bible. we got some verses to go through. Um, I, and I know uh, there's a lot of verses here. Again, you can go online, review things. I know I talk fast, but let me give you the verses if you wanna write them down and then I'll read them. And I encourage you to bring your Bibles too. You know, Open them up, mark them, circle things. It's a great way to kind of see how God wants to speak to you personally. The passages we'll be going through are in Psalm 96, one through three. Psalm 96, 1 through 3, 1 Peter 3.15. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20. A couple more. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11 through 21. And then we're gonna end with Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 to 38. Matthew chapter 9, 37 to 38. Psalm 96. I just want to remind us, from the beginning of time, this is what God has always desired. Remember, the Old Testament is not God being angry. He has counseling for a little bit, and then Jesus comes in the New Testament, and He's a lot nicer. Throughout the Old Testament, God's like Israel, I want you, I want to use you, that other nations would know that I'm a good God. Uh, Psalm 96 says this: Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds amongst all people. How do you reach people? Showcase how good God is. Just showcase how good he is. To you, in you, through you, around you. Our world needs to be reminded that God is actually good. I think the people uh, God have uh, people have a view of God. as just, like he's angry and he kind of puts up with us, it's like ah, I'll get you into heaven if I feel like it, you know, or if you're good enough, like don't have too many bad days, or I'm gonna be angry. It's like, what's the goal of the church? Is we show how marvelous and gracious and patient and kind and loving and pursuing God is? Declare that he says thousands of years ago that was the goal of God. First Peter 3.15 would encourage us with this. Uh, Peter obviously was a close disciple of Jesus. So I think he understands the heart of God. And, and he says this to us. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And with that, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Ah, oh, Does the church need this in a time like today? how about we speak with gentleness and respect towards people who are lost? Not condescending, not judgmental, a gentleness and respect. But he says, listen, as how, how do we get this faith to kind of work in us and to work through us? The first thing is, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks, do you know the reason for your faith? Why are you a follower of Jesus? Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a verse that's meant something to you? Sometimes I believe the reason we are apprehensive for God to work through us is just because we're not prepared. And if you're not prepared, that's scaring anything in life. Have any of you started a job or tried to do a job where you didn't feel prepared? You're probably pretty nervous, right? You weren't prepared for that. I didn't have all the tools. So one of the things that, we're going to be working on just, you know, as we go through Acts is preparing your testimony. Do you know if someone asks you, why are you so joyful? Why do you go to church? Why do you stay married to that person? Why are you so loving here? It's more than just like, oh, I don't know, you know, just, you know, I kind of grew up in a good home, you know, or you just, you know, oh, I you know, I go to Access Church and like that. That's fine, tell them about church, but I'd rather you tell them about Jesus in church just so you know. Just so you know, I hope, Access Church, the name never gets elevated above. I just want to tell you about Jesus. Rather than like, oh, you just got to come to our church because the likelihood is they're not going to come to church until they have some good interaction or understanding of Jesus. Now, if that happens, great, but why don't we introduce them to Jesus rather than to Access? Are you prepared? Here's the other thing is, are we even living a life where they would ask us that question? So when I go to work, they're stressed but do I have a peace and a joy that attracts them? Be like, we're all cursing and gossiping about our boss and you're not. Now, not the whole group probably won't ask you, but there'll be that one, that while everyone's gossiping and you're not, there'll, there'll be something. Because why? Because here's the thing. You got to remember that if God wants you to reach someone, he's already working on them before you even talk to them. Why are you nervous? Oh my God, I got to bring them to Christ. Are you insane? You ain't bringing anyone to Christ. What's wrong with you? You'll mess it up. But if God is working in me or through me, and if he's already working on them, checkmate, homie, you're going down. Once I see a seed is planted in someone, I'm like, oh my God, you're done. You're done. And I'll tell them that. Yeah, you're gonna become a Christian soon. Nah, done, dude, done. The seed's planted. I can't even mess it up. God's already working, right? Then it gives me an excitement. It gives me an excitement, right? To be like, oh, now I'm just gonna take people down. I'm just gonna take them down, right? I'm not nervous because God's already working on them. But are you prepared? Have you thought it through? Are you ready to go into work? And I I have answers of joy. I have Bible verses. I have stories. Ah, I'm ready, right? Matthew, uh, 28 goes on to say that we even have a, a clear directive from God. is when he's talking to his 11 disciples, this is after the resurrection, right? And um, they were worshiping him. And it says that this is what he said in one of his final words to the disciples were this. Listen, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, not to you, not to me, but to Jesus. So Jesus has all the authority, right? From heaven and earth. He said, therefore, since he has the authority, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and also teaching them. We're not just reaching people, then we teach them. Some of us reach someone, they're like, Brian, now you take them from here. Oh, you're a leader, you go do it. Uh, no, boom, I put them back to you. No, if God used you, God has other people for me. You teach them. Well, I do, I, do, I don't know the Bible that well. We'll get to know the Bible well then because you're gonna teach someone. The goal isn't just to be like, oh, go to my church, here's a flyer and run away. The goal is now disciple them, guide them. I don't have all the answers. Go find the answers then. That's why we're here as a church. We can talk to each other, encourage one another. He says, this is the goal of every Christian, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Check that out. He's with us always to the end of the age. He has all the authority. We don't. But he's with us. Oh, if God is with me, then who can be against me, right? It's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. But he said, go to all nations. So one of the things we wanna do as a church is is not just worry about the people that are around us, but some of us in this room, I, I would love this as a church. I think God's gonna send some of us away from here. And I think some of us are scared we hold on to the American dream, we hold on to relationships too tight, we hold on to money too tight, but God wants to send us. Not the person sitting next to you, but you. And we gotta hit all the nations. And here's where I wanna encourage you, some of you that are scared, maybe as we go through the book of Acts, we'll find out who God's speaking to. He's not gonna send everyone. Some of us need to be the sender, right? Um, But God has a specific city or a specific village a specific group for you. And he might send you around the world. And here's what I wanna encourage you is, I've found that cross-cultural evangelism or outreach is actually usually easier than trying to do it at home. I've brought more people to Christ in Africa and India than I have here. And just so you know, it's pretty normal because even Jesus said what? A prophet is not honored in his own town. Jesus had an easier time reaching people away from his hometown than in his hometown. In fact, his family was one of the last ones to become a Christian. Isn't that crazy? So some of you that are scared, it's like, no, 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 no. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, 37 through 38, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's people in India right now. There's people in China right now. There's people in Africa right now. There's people all over the world that God's already working on them, but it's going to take a different voice than the people around them. I've been blown away. I remember when one of my—I've been to India twice. I remember one of the trips. They're like, "Well, just tell your story." I'm like, "Why would they care about my story? Some suburban kid in California, and like these are farmers, and like I have nothing." You know, I'm like, "This." They're just going to be like, "Dude, you're a whiner." Like that's what I felt like. But again, dude, that's doing it in my own strength. So the Holy Spirit rebuked me like, uh-uh, I'm working and you don't work through you. So don't worry about your story. I shared my story. People are crying, crazy. Boom, how many people want to accept Christ? Seven people, awesome, super pumped. The harvest is ripe or plentiful, but the workers are few. He says, ask the Lord, uh, of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. I'd love to be a church where we are sending people out to the harvest. That's why we got you guys so much and uh, we had a great time sharing about Young Life before but that's why we're so passionate about getting Young Life going. These guys are on campuses. These guys are are at their living with those that are a lot right there. High school is ripe, junior high is ripe. No, they got phones, they got this, they're distracting. no. We need to send Christians. We need to support them. And that's why we support them financially. We want to support them on missions, uh, the camps, right? We're able to support, you know, that money is just a way to send people and to impact lives. Second Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter five, a great perspective for us. He says in verse 11, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. And by the way, when we say these words, some of you are like, oh man, you know, I don't wanna persuade anyone. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You persuade people all the time, right? If you find a good restaurant, do you keep it yourself? I'm not, I'm telling nobody about this. No, you have good pizza, you're like, I'm gonna post this, I'm gonna tell people this is where you have to eat, right? You do that. You manipulative little sucker, right? Tell me where to eat pizza. How dare you tell me where to eat pizza? Mind your own business, we don't say that. Nobody says that, oh, you got to check this place out. Shut your mouth, I'm going to Taco Bell. Don't you ever talk about pizza. Again. Like, we don't do that. Yeah, we persuade people all the time, right? You have this new meal plan. Dude, I'm on this new meal plan. I only eat peas and meat. That's it, man. It's this new way of keto living that our you know great-great-grandfathers used to do. You know, we harvest nuts in the winter. You know, I lost so much weight. What do you do? You tell everybody about it, right? We persuade all the time. Why then? someone that frees me from my sin, gives me eternal life, gives me hope, gives me love, gives me purpose. Why would I keep that to myself? Nah, come on now. And if people say like, dude, you're trying to persuade me. Yes, I am. Good call. You're very observant. Yes, I'm here to persuade. Exactly. Why? Verse 14, 2 Corinthians says, for Christ's love compels us. This is working in me. Some of us, when I talk about outreach, you're like, "Ugh." And what I would say is actually right now, don't reach anyone, just chill. Because God needs to work in you. Because for some reason, I'm lacking the heart of God. Because I have the heart of God when I can't wait to impact other people. So when I lack that desire, just so you know, I'm not calling out saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying there's a heart issue there. Because I'm compelled by the love of, I'm compelled He's moving me forward because I'm so stoked about what God is doing in me or through me. By the way, this is why it's important for a lot of us to work through our own sin and shame and things like that because some of us are so stuck on lacking the grace of God in our lives that we can't extend it to other people. I really encourage you to work through that. You're fully forgiven. Like the blood of Jesus covers all sins. I don't deserve it. Exactly. That's why we're so stoked. We don't deserve it. And so then you can properly give a gospel to someone else that is trying to, they're lost, but they're trying to find it on, find Jesus on their own. You can't, it's undeserved grace and love. But the problem is when I'm so stuck on my own sin and shame, I don't see other people because I'm looking at myself. That's why we wanna work through that. So I can look up saying like, I know there's things there, but it's covered by the blood of Jesus. I can then look at other people. This is why it's important because his love, compels us. So if I lack being compelled, usually what that means is I'm lacking the love of God in my own heart. Does that make sense? So there's a little bit of a process here. He says we're convinced that he died for all. And if he died for all, then those who live should no longer live for themselves, but to him who died for them. We live for Jesus because he died for us so that we don't have to die. So now I'm compelled. His love compels me. I'm so stoked. Verse 16, he says, so now we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now I view people differently. I don't view them as Democrat, Republican. I don't view them as enemy. I don't view them as nationality. I don't view them by their behaviors. Oh, you're in that group. You're in this group. That's a worldly point of view. He says, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do not know it and we do not so any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, living from money, living from myself, categorizing people. Now that's the old thing. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He doesn't count people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So now when God works in me, in order to work through me, he's not just changing my view of other people, he's changing his view of you. Do you view yourself as an ambassador of Jesus to people? I don't know if you know what an ambassador is, but we have ambassadors. I don't know if you know that. We have ambassadors. You know what they do? They go to other nations and what do they do? They represent America to other nations. Do you know what also is given to them though? The authority to speak on behalf of the United States. Do you view yourself as an ambassador, that you represent Jesus? So here's the challenge for the church today. When the church gets mad at the, at, at the world, they don't wanna accept Christ. Is it the world's fault or is it we don't represent Jesus? that has any appeal at all to them. Here's the other thing, cool thing too, is you've been given the authority to speak on behalf of Jesus. But with that, I encourage you this, speak well, don't misspeak. How do I do that? Get in the word of God. Because when the word of God is in me, I'm gonna speak clearly on the behalf of Christ to others. You are an ambassador. So now the view of other people isn't just changed, the view of myself has changed. So he says this, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's an article in the Christian Post on September 1st because I want to encourage you with this as we wrap up. We've got to get out of our mind. I think we do this subconsciously maybe that we kind of have an idea of who's going to become a Christian, who isn't, right? Right? We kind of have an idea of like, oh, I could see them being a Christian. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Like, oh, I, I could see them being a Christian. And then other people are like, I just don't see it. I don't know how that's gonna happen, right? And you're like, I would never do that consciously. Like, I'd never share that if I got you guys in a groups. Be Like, who do you think is not gonna be a Christian this week? Like, you you would not share that at church, but deep in your heart, you're like, ah, you know, I can't imagine that jerk. I can't imagine that. What well, they vote for who they'll never be a Christian. Right? We kind of do that. No one is outside the grasp and the love and the pursuit of God, And as an ambassador, he might send you to places that you don't want to go or can't imagine you're going to go, but he's going to use you to represent him to reach others. On September 1st, the Christian Post interviewed author Caleb uh, Kaltenbach, who once found himself saying in the article, I never want to be a Christian, but a blatant attempt to try and disprove the Bible left him in the most surprising of circumstances. Dang it, he accepted Christ and God transformed his heart and mind in the process. But let me give you his journey. Uh, Kaltenbach uh, faith journey and theological views are especially surprising considering he was raised by three gay parents in an activist environment before his conversion. My parents divorced when I was two and they both jumped into same-sex relationships. The journey led Kaltenbach and his family into two years of pro-LGBT activism where he often encountered hate and anger from those who called themselves Christians, people who left him feeling in his early years as though he'd never want to put his faith in that type of God. He said, I learned quickly, uh, I learned real quick from things that I saw in pride parades, the way uh, and how I saw Christians treat people, the way I saw families ignore their young sons dying from AIDS. This was in the eighties. And I remember that too, the church was, I saw real quick that Christians hated gay people. And I thought to myself, I never wanna be a Christian. What's the chances of a guy like this being reached for Jesus? In our minds, we'd say, good luck, dude. And God's like, Mm-mm. there's no wall I won't climb, right? Nothing will stop me. And when you have that view, I'll go to a parade if I have to go to a parade go to a bar if I have to go to a bar. I'll go to the family barbecue if I have to go to the family barbecue <laughs> because I'm an ambassador. And who knows what God's doing in someone's heart that might spark a conversation or they view a Christian in a different way. Cause imagine this guy, he's viewed Christians a certain way. Can you imagine the first loving, compassionate Christian he runs into? It's got to throw him for a loop like, what the heck? Well, it happened in his teen years. He was invited to a Bible study. Oh, you're going down, dude. He was 16, but he wanted to disprove Christianity to this youth group. He's like, yeah, I'll get these Christians. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't realize, remember, sometimes lost people don't know they're lost. It says that in his uh, efforts though, he was shocked to find himself actually captivated by the scriptures. And he goes, I became a Christian. He goes, the journey wasn't easy, especially when his family found out of his conversion. His parents actually kicked him out of the house but they later reconciled. I think my parents realized eventually that I was not one of those Christians referring to the angry people. His faith journey didn't stop there though. He decided to uh, to go into ministry and become a pastor. And also years later, both his parents would become Christians. You never know what God's doing. So don't limit him. Don't undercut him. Do not discount or dismiss the movement of God because it's what changes the world, one person at a time. So this is the journey on the next six months, that God's gonna work in us. And for some of us, he still has to work in us, but not that's not the end game in order to work through us because that's when life gets exciting. Because if Jesus came to seek and save the lost, the Naxos Church, our goal isn't nice air conditioning, nice worship ministries, everybody's on a ministry team, everybody's nice and perfect, nobody sends anymore, we're on that, we keep, you know, greet each other with the holy kiss, it's this perfect little church. No, 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 the goal is we're gonna be a messy, messy church, but we're on movement because God works in us, he works through us. We're gonna take time now and um, I just wanna encourage you to let God speak to you now, begin to move you and maybe even lay some people on your hearts of mind that he wants you to begin to pray for and begin to reach. I think these next six months are gonna be exciting and he's gonna surprise you with how he uses you. I know for some of you, like, I don't know if I want him to use me. You do. It's an exciting journey. There's nothing better than seeing someone who's lost get it and be found. Through this process, we're gonna take communion. Uh, Go ahead and come on up here, uh, Pat, uh, Aiden. Um, And as we worship, um, I encourage you that as you take communion, here's what I'd love for you to do today. As you take communion... Can you thank God for how he's loved you? And then as you take communion, can maybe one or two of you, if you do it in a group, but can you pray for people that you'd like to see them take communion? People that haven't experienced the love of God. So maybe in communion, we thank God, but also this kind of commissions us to be on mission for him, to be an ambassador for him, and maybe pray that their lives are covered by the blood of Jesus too. Jesus, i um, I thank you for the ambassadors that you sent in my life because I was an angry, rebellious, confused, and hurt young man. Um, I realized that left to my own, I should be dead or in jail, no doubt. I I realized that left on my own, I would be divorced multiple times with my kids not knowing me. I realized that I'd have very bad friendships. So God, I thank you for my mom who's an ambassador. I thank you for my soccer coaches. Man, I drove them crazy and they were amazing ambassadors. I think for the youth pastor who's an ambassador when I was saying dumb things in high school, but he just loved me. I thank you for Dan Wanigan who's an ambassador. God, I pray that someday someone prays to you and thanks you for us being an ambassador to them. May today commission us, excite us, and compel us to reach those who are disconnected from you. We worship you now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to gotoaccesschurch.com.